Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise Billen Mejia in Delaware, USA. And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK. This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist. I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist. We are two hypnotherapists talking. So let's get on with the episode. What fabulous thing we'll be discussing, though. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, I put um, a post out on LinkedIn yesterday saying, yesterday saying nobody comes to therapy to change their past. They come to change their future. Mm-hmm. And it got an awful lot of reaction. People leaving a lot of comments saying about that, because I'd said, you know, that the past has happened. It's a moment in time. We can't change the past. We can change how we feel about the past. Yeah, we can change how we let things affect us. Um, but, you know, we can change the future. We can control our future, etc. And it encouraged an awful lot of um, sort of interaction, let's say. Good, good. So engagement I, I was, is the term. Engagement, yeah. <laughs> engagement. <I'm> heads all <laughs> over the place. If, if this is going out, our viewers and listeners, yeah, I, I've had a bad day. <laughs> no, no, you've had, you've had a ridiculous day with, with people not following up on what they said they were going to do. Yeah, I, yeah, but, but, you know, at the end of this day, I will look back and say that was actually an all right day because I've got everything sorted that needed sorting. Exactly. That's what it's about, yeah. So that's, that's what it's about and having the hypnotherapeutic skills to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. How's your well, day? I'd, my my day is going fine. I woke up. I thought I was going to be late, but you had to put that stuff off, so that's good. Um, so I, I got to have another cup of coffee, which always helps. Uh, About the ten to one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, remember we are five hours different. I can catch up. Um, but I had a great evening. Um, I'd been invited to what sounds like a terrible experience to an uh, uh, an active shooter. Oh, that's um, right. Training training yesterday. Now that is certainly. Not something you would expect people to look forward to, or even in the UK, probably anticipate taking. But mm. um, in the US, it is pretty, uh, pretty common, unfortunately. But you do that and in the schools over there aware as well, of. don't you? Yeah, yeah. This was specifically put on by the Lieutenant Governor for interfaith leaders, um, but that's their term, not mine. But various various people from the the different faith communities, because we have large gatherings of people who might be targeted. Um, mm. Unfortunately, here it's supermarkets. And, I mean, it could be for anybody, but it, it is a way to get the word out to people. So mm. those of us there are now supposed to go back to our various congregations and talk to them about it. But it had a lovely, it, it was it was very well done. Two um, state capital police officers gave the talk. Their chief mm. was there. Um, they also tacked on the end something I, as a, XER doc, I'm thrilled by. They did a little CPR training too, and how to put on a tourniquet. It was, oh, yeah, well, that, that yeah, could be very useful. Very, and uh, but it was very nice because they they were also talking to the various churches and synagogue leaders and suggesting why don't we have some CPR training in your church? And this, it was a really um, a, a very positive two or three hours that we spent. And then mm. several of us went out for dinner at eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. Oh, which wow. might sound normal to a Brit, but it's really late at night for, for food in, in the U- U.S. Dinner's usually yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> quite Well, quite late over here, um, yeah. unless, you, unless you're going to a restaurant, I suppose. Yeah, well, we, um, we, were, yeah. 
Please. Yeah, we were we we had we're a little bit restricted because a lot of the kitchens were going to be closing by the time everybody could get there and sort of. Uh, but but it was a delightful evening. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody from who, who knew the rabbi whom I was traveling with came over and she brought her artworks. We had a little art exhibit in the restaurant. Oh, <laughs> it was lovely. But a much later much later finish to my day by the time I got mm. back up. Um, Dover is about an hour from us, so it was. It was quite late by the time I, I got home and then had to sort of wind down. Mm. I was quite proud of myself. I was in bed at 12.30, which is really very good, considering I didn't get home till 11. <laughs> oh, you, you dirty stop out. <laughs> <laughs> what um, you, you were saying about doing CPR in places, mm. are defibrillators common over there? Yes, and that was, that was what they were. Well, the... the um, that was what they were talking about the, the fact that there's there's grant money to have these in a lot mm. of other places and so it was it was a very positive evening we're talking about PS, ptsd and yeah. how people respond that the flight fight mostly people freeze or fall over i mean it, mm. they, they showed with with many many caveats before they started pit play for you know if you don't like this kind of thing close your eyes plug your ears or leave mm. And they were just, you know, a few seconds of um, the tapes from these actual, as they were really happening, events. Mm. Um, and it, it was very interesting to hear the police officers analyzing how people were responding to what was going on. See, well, see mm. how this person did this, but he hasn't gone down there, so playing dead isn't going to work. He's going to know <laughs> that he didn't shoot you, <laughs> um, which is, no. Thankfully, that lady lived, but it it, it was um, it was very enlightening in some ways. Mm. Something I hope I never have to deal with. But it was talking about you know how how to figure out where exits are and how to get out of windows and remember to mm. look before you jump out because having a broken leg at the bottom of a window may not be so helpful for you. Um, it was well, yeah, you might not be able to run any further yeah, if um, the yeah. shooter then points a gun out of the window. Yeah, but but you know, again, it was hope nobody ever has to go through that again, which in America is unlikely because we mm. have these things all the time. Um, it was it was just interesting to hear about how people respond, and several of the people in the in the community who were listening were ex-veterans, and so they had been theaters of war and and know a lot about PTSD and how, you know, several people say, well, I, I can't tell if it's a, if it's a, a bullet, if it's a gun or not. backfiring, a yeah, bullet. Okay. Yeah. Right. He said, he said, you'll know. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it was very interesting. It was very interesting to, to um, ponder how I might respond if something like that were to happen. Mm. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, so often, though, you hear of, um, even over here, shootings in the street and people say they don't realise it was gunshot. They hear they hear loud noises in succession, you know, bang, bang, bang. And it's only, you know, think, oh, maybe it was a firework going off because that would be perhaps your first thought over here. Right. Whereas over I there, think, you might think it's a gun. Yeah, I think part of that is, is how far away is it when you when it's here. If you're hearing it and it's close to you, it doesn't sound like, mm. like firing cars. Um, but it was, yeah, it, it was just very interesting. And, and one of the things, of course, that has happened here on a number of occasions is, is shootings in schools. And, mm. of course, children are 
lots of places with their adult parents when they are in other places than schools. Mm. Um, there's there's a um, a video which showed a mother trying to get her child out of a stroller in order to run, despite mm. the fact that she would have taken that child in and out of that stroller, you know, hundreds of times probably by the age of the kid. Um, but she she couldn't because you know nothing works when you're in panic mode. Of course, absolutely. Well, yeah. logic goes out the window, doesn't it, when the primitive right. mind takes over? Right. Um, but we probably. I, I don't think I was, you can get hematized to to deal with a possible future that you hope will never happen. But I do think it's it's perhaps a pause to think back to. But again, it's another you know that of course is a terrible trauma. But there are lots of little traumas that can affect children. Mm. Uh, how that child who's being you know, half of the stroller was going with the parent as they were trying to get away. I mean, yeah. how is that little one going to be remembering that event? Because some part of her will remember that event. Mm. I mean, I, I can remember being at school as a child at primary school. And, of course, you do your fire drills um, once mm -hmm. every term or every year. And the children used to, we used to have to line up outside to be counted by our teachers, etc. And I can remember a couple of children being really upset. But what if there was a fire and, you know, you... Mm -hmm starting to sort of negatively forecast you know what what will probably never happen um but some children would be really upset by it maybe it was yeah. the manner in which the fire drill was done maybe yeah. you know that they, they were you know more sensitive to that kind of thing to that kind of stimuli well and they may have had a relative who had had a fire i mean there are so many possibly things that yeah. people one of the things they did point out though he the police officer speaking said you know i remember like rolling my eyes here we go again, another flipping thing. It's never going to happen. But I assume he's remembering being an adolescent. That sounds more of an adolescent than a younger child. Mm. <laughs> but but it's muscle memory. It's it's so you learn and you have to do it every year, not only because, yes, it's engraved, but also your exits are different when you're in a different room. So you need yeah. to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that was a very interesting evening. And, and, and it was beautifully finished off by going for a lovely dinner. Nothing about trauma in a lovely restaurant where, of course, had something happened, we would now be... <laughs> well, the first things we sat down and said, okay, where are the exits? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, keeping on a similar theme of the um, intellectual side of the brain and the primitive side and mm -hmm. PTSD when things take over, we all know when we're in the primitive side of the brain, logic can go out of the window. Now, this coming week is, of course, Valentine's Day. Oh, so, yes. yeah, so what I'm thinking is, let's just talk a little bit about why logic can go out the window when somebody falls in love. <laughs> it's a long time ago now, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a similar, it's a similar principle, isn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Your Emo sort of, emotions, period, yeah, whatever, whatever yeah. they are. Yeah, Yeah, but those, um, you know, those primitive instincts have taken over. And you find yourself feeling very, very different from how you did the day before, for example, if you just met somebody you've fallen in love with. And logic tends to go out of the window. You sort of mm -hmm. idealise everything um, and you may not see the bad side of somebody or, you know, that. Oh, their absolutely. And, it's, and it spills over to everything else. You know, it's rosy coloured glasses. Mm. The world's a wonderful place, which is nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it, it's, a similar, it's the same principle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, do, do you work with people who are, well, a rare, a rare person would go to a therapist because they've fallen in love and they feel wonderful. So, why would they need to? <laughs> <laughs> but people on the other side of that coin, 
quite often. I have I have dealt with somebody who sort of, in their words, had lost that loving feeling and wanted to get it back. They were quoting the oh, they were still in the still yeah. in the relationship. Okay, That's yeah, good. and and they actually wanted to start seeing more of the positive side of their partner. They they freely admitted their partner hadn't changed very much, but they they had, and they wanted to sort of take a kinder look out for their partner and at their partner and mm-hmm. wanted to get that loving feeling back. As I say, they quoted the lines of a song to me when they spoke to me. This was quite some time ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they wanted to just, and generally it was it was the same same situation with a lot of people. Their metaphorical, metaphorical, should I say, put my teeth in, stress bucket was full. Mm. And so, of course, when we're stressed up, we tend to see things in the worst case scenario. And that includes people. Yeah. And everything that they do irritates mm. even more. Yeah. Yeah. And once I'd explained that, because they, they thought something was wrong with them, you know, their partner hadn't particularly changed towards them, but they felt differently and didn't want to feel like that. It takes quite a bit of insight to realise mm. that that isn't the case. It's usually, oh, you're just not the man I married. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I just thought that one might make an interesting explanation as well, with it being Valentine's Day this week. And of course, yeah. mentally healthy relationships. Yes, that's always good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all, all mental uh, health and mental well being. I, I like to say mental wellness, not mental illness. Mm. Um, it's, it's all about, you know, what, I would say my number one thing in a mentally healthy relationship is knowing each other's boundaries and sticking to them. Mm-hmm. And each other's languages. Mm, yeah. and, I, and I don't mean, you know, Dutch. Or you don't mean literally, as yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or Spanish yeah. from English. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Another commonality between us. We're both married to people who are from, from not, uh, yeah. not our culture. Yeah. Well, well d- does your other, other half swear in his native language or in English? Depends. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> lived, he's lived here for a long time now, and um, it's quite a long time. He, he realized. After a few years here, he realised he was dreaming in English. Mm, so yeah, that same, th- same thing yeah. happened with Nick. I, I asked him, what, what language do you dream in? He dreams in English now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he swears in English, but if he starts swearing in Flemish, I know to just leave him alone. That means he's in a <laughs> really bad mood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It means he's thinking in Flemish as well. Right. <laughs> yeah, what, what I found with Francisco is he will quite often say something in Spanish to a relative, particularly when his, before his mother passed, he would be speaking to his mother and then look at me and think he was translating mm. <laughs> because he, he's on the phone and so he oh, I'm talking to Denise, just well, I'll speak to her in English, but it's it's Spanish that's coming out and I speak Spanish, so it's okay. But it was very mm. clear he thought he was speaking English and he wasn't. Those, mm. those are the words that are coming out. You don't realise what, what language you're actually using because a lot of the time it's not words. Some people think... Mm. Quite differently. Oh yeah, you think you think yeah. if you, once you learn a language, you think differently. And I know that from my um, basic vocabulary in Portuguese. Uh, once you start speaking, if you start to think in the same manner the people do, then the language is a lot easier to learn. Yeah. But what I, what I found was after a couple of years of living over there, when I came back to England, no problem speaking English, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I start I started speaking English, but putting the sentences together in a Portuguese style. So I'd say the house of oh. somebody rather than somebody's house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just getting the phraseology mixed up for a little while. And again, it's, it's all there in the brain, isn't it? You see, everything's mm-hmm. filed away. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick always laughs at Jean-Claude Van Damme, the film star, 
who's um, Belgian, because um, a few years ago he said on a programme, oh, I, I can't remember any of my Flemish now. Well, I, I don't believe that for a minute. No, no. <laughs> you don't forget your no, native tongue. You do. I do find occasionally that there were a few words in English that I had just, I was so accustomed to using their equivalent in Spanish that I mm. no longer remember. I would say, I took, and I would use the Spanish word. Mm. Like attendance is assistencia. So I, I I would just use that word and think, what is the word? I know we use it. <laughs> no, mm. Not thinking of the concept. It was just, you know, that word. And Francisco will occasionally do that, that he he just won't be able to remember a Spanish word because it's so, he he's thinking so completely. Mm. So, having got that out of the way, what should we talk about now? I don't know. <laughs> we've done Valentine's. We've done Primitive Mind. Um, one thing and another. There's no point talking about stress. <laughs> no, we've, we've both had rather stressful couple of weeks. Not my stress has been very positive, but nonetheless, even good stress is stress. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Mine's been absolutely positive, and it is. It is quite remarkable, actually, the difference since becoming a therapist. And since I started to train as a therapist, it's seven years this year since I started training. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, since so starting to train therapists, handling the stress is so much easier, so much easier if you follow right. your own simple things. Um, yeah. Like today, running around and then having to walk five miles to go and get something because my car's in for a service. Normally, in the past, I would have been in such a strop and got myself so worked up and walked faster and faster and sweated. No, I went at a nice, brisk pace and could feel myself coming down, stress levels coming down and just getting on with it. And when I got back with everything, it was like, yeah, great, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Walking is my go-to de-stressor anyway. So mm. that would have been Yeah, good. me too, me too. Yeah. When I was much younger, I really liked to walk in thunderstorms which really? alarmed people in the Dominican Republic because they stayed the heck away from them. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, it was nobody interfering with me, nobody else wanting to say hello or stuff and talk when I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. having conversations in my head with people who aren't here. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, quite, I quite like watching thunderstorms, but from inside the house. Mm. Yeah, I quite, I quite like watching good storms. So what are your plans going forward now that this, we think all these little stresses, these are, mostly technological things. You think those are all tucked away now? So what what is your reset button for this week? Are you taking um, the weekend off? No, we, not at all. We normally, um, we normally record these on Mondays. And so we've usually got a much better idea. Today it's completely winging it because yeah. we've had to wait and wait and wait for these stresses to, <laughs> to resolve themselves. So yeah, it's well, Friday my, morning. My, my plans for this weekend, really, really boring. When We've made this recording and then you send it over to me. I will be editing it on my new computer and then doing the transcript, which takes about four hours, putting the whole thing together, uploading it into YouTube um, and sending you the, the audio bit so you can do all the things you have to do with that over there. Because, um, yeah. you know, if people haven't got the band out, this is a proper co-hosted joint effort podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I will send you the other links back. Yes. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, yeah, and so we, we, you're, if you're listening to this now on Sunday, yeah, this was a very quickly put together podcast. <laughs> yes, we didn't want to leave you without anything. Although you may make you think these people are crazy. Yeah, we are. Yeah, call yeah. us, call <laughs> us, and talk to us. Yeah, <laughs> I actually have a fairly busy. I've got to keep an eye on it because I've got an eleven o'clock potential client followed by a twelve o'clock 
chat with another hypnotist that I'm doing a joint project with. And then my regular Friday afternoon client that I physically mm. see in town contacted me. I think she's managed to figure out a ride. So mm. I'll be able to start seeing her again on Friday afternoons. So reshuffling a lot of things mm. and just no. deciding, you know, deciding what to do. And then, you know, when you had to put this call off by half an hour, I said, oh, let me get on. Let me get on my email. Oh, doctor's appointment coming up. Oh, let me arrange to get my labs done. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have know this we... calendar constantly redoing things in my head. Oh, well, I, thank yeah. you for being so flexible anyway. Oh, no, no, days. no problem. No problem. Yeah. Ne never again shall I leave myself in a technical situation where I am without a functioning computer. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so next one... week, I'm no, no, next week, I'm off to buy a new laptop as well. So I've got the back Okay. Up. Yeah. Okay. So you don't yeah. trust this one to be. No, no, because yeah. the, the batteries, I can see the battery dying as we're speaking now. Um, it, that'll do as an emergency backup, but I need two functioning computers. I need a base one and a laptop, and then I'm sorted. Um, what I would like to talk about for a few minutes before we wrap sure. up for today, actually, is, you know, I'm going to be teaching mental health first aid to people um, mm -hmm. within companies. Um Mental health first aid over here. It went in front of Parliament this week over here, actually. They, they're trying to legislate that all workplaces over a certain size will have to have a mental health first aider as well. At the moment, you have to have a medical first aider, i.e. Right. You know, if, you, if you cut your finger, there's somebody at work you can go right. and see who will deal with it for you. If you're feeling faint, you can go and see somebody and they will make an assessment. You know, there may be a medical intervention required. Which circles back to the earlier part where I was talking about why I was it why I was at a training and up late last night. Yeah. That if if we can catch people who are having problems earlier, mm. we see them earlier and can reach out and ask if they're okay mm. before maybe some of this would be less awful. Mm, absolutely. The other thing is as well, of course, I mean are, are you talking about the before somebody turns into a rampant gunman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Exactly. I mean, not having not having access to guns definitely would improve the situation. Well, yeah. But I mean, a lot well, you can of see the is, difference. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's you know I I've I've worked at a place for forty years and they've just given me my pink card or whatever color it is in England. Yeah, and and it's just the straw that breaks the camel's back for a lot of yeah. people that these things happen. And so, I mean, obviously, there are mental illnesses that yeah are 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 not going to be able to be fixed. Mm. no matter what but there are also just there's just so much pain in the world yeah. and Absolutely. so much so much isolation mm. and this last three years with people having to be in lockdown a lot of social normal connection has been lost yeah i mean connection is vital we know that we say we say it virtually every episode as well don't we that mm -hmm. human interaction and human connection is vital it's we are tribal creatures um, yeah. You know, that, that's what's built into us. That's how the evolutionary process uh, continued. Um, you know, when we do something that benefits a community, we get a buzz, we get a nice feeling, don't we? Mm -hmm. If we're in a group of people, I don't know, something as simple as we bring a cake into work and everybody says thanks to you, you know, it makes you feel good, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And somebody brought cakes into work for me yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did, yeah. yes. Yeah, a visitor came. A visitor came and brought me a cake. Well, she brought two cakes, one for her, one for me yesterday. And that was so lovely. 
And then at the end of it, she told me it was her birthday. Oh, that's even nicer. Yeah, it was even nicer. She bought her own cake. (laughs) Yeah, but I thought, well, thank you for sharing some of your time with me on your birthday. How lovely. It was. It was really, I was absolutely made up. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. And a very nice cake too, Marks and Spencer's. (laughs) (laughs) And and your cups of tea. Well, the supermarkets are available. We have to say things like that, don't (laughs) we now? So it's not a product placement. Yeah, all the supermarkets are available. (laughs) Yeah, we get get sponsorship from them. I'd be really quite surprised. Um, But... But that ritual of having a cup of tea with somebody when they come to your house, all of those rituals help cement relationships. Yeah, I mean, that's always the case, though, isn't it? When you go to somebody's house or somebody comes to your house, offering them a drink, offering them something to eat, depending on the time of day. Um, Okay, you maybe don't want somebody dropping in at seven in the evening and you have to give them dinner when it's unplanned, but somebody Mm -hmm. drops in in the afternoon, you know, a piece of cake, some biscuits, whatever... You know, right. um, you know, in a drink, of course, that's that's what we do. You know, I, th- I think that's fairly normal through most cultures, isn't right. it? Absolutely. Offering some kind of food well, or drink. Yeah, and and um, it's almost an insult not to take it. Which mm. can be confusing for some people, I think. Mm. It's one of the things when when you're working in in hospital settings, mm. you're actually told to when you go in, and it it can be very fast paced in an emergency room you're on your mm. feet and running most of the day but you are supposed to, when you go in to ask anything that might other than have you eaten yet thank you and you know, th- those very short questions it mm. means you're supposed to sit down because mm. it's a signal that i'm here and i'm going to pay attention to what you're doing and i think that that is possibly where it comes from it's also a um an open-handed gesture you know and, I trust you, you're not poisoning me with your tea. <laughs> I, am, I am a generous person. I am giving you a biscuit. Um, that I think a lot of those things are built on, on ways that humans have developed to, to share and to trust each other. Mm. Yeah. Well, again, there, there goes another thing in trust. Trust, rapport, mm. absolutely essential to what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. With, without rapport, but, but truthfully, without trust. Truthfully, in most interactions with human beings, there mm. has to be an element of trust. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if somebody comes in cleaning your windows, you want to be able to trust them. They're yeah. not peering in to see what they could steal, right. Um, right. you know, or anything else. And trusting a car mechanic to fix your car. Right. You want to make sure he's done the brakes properly. <laughs> or drop off the keys so you can go pick it up later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, right well we'll make this a very quick episode today Denise and we'll say goodbye to our listeners and viewers and let them know and, that... and, ma- and many be, may be relieved because that was the most yeah. rambling one we've done yet I know well <laughs> we go off on a tangent but, but next week is we've got Dr Eugenie next week and you won't hear very much from Denise and I in that episode because she's got so much to tell everybody and mm-hmm. I think that was a really really interesting um, podcast that we recorded with her and I'm yeah. quite looking forward to that one going out as well so yes, we'll say and, goodbye and to everybody also, for this week. <laughs> and they'll have to put up with us again following Eugenia before Joe, because Joe's is also again interesting. Yeah, episode. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have our next one better planned out. But uh, in the meantime, thank you for joining us again. And we'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed listening. 
Please remember, this podcast is designed to give you an insight into therapeutic hypnosis and is for educational purposes only. So remember, consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you've heard may apply to you or a loved one. If you found this episode useful, you can apply for free continuing professional development or CME credit using the link provided in the show notes. Feel free to contact either of us through the links in the show notes. Join us again next week.